over the course of human history. There's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. St. Francis of Assisi, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents... Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. This is the show that introduced Nancy to our vast audience. Uh, by day, the largest radio station in the nation from coast to coast. And once it's dusk, the largest radio station in the world. From the tips of the Himalayan snow-capped mountains, uh, where you can see them in uh, Kathmandu and Nepal, to the lowest level in the world, which gets hotter than hell by 12 noon, your favorite place, Death Valley, on the way from Los Angeles to Nevada. Now, before uh, we get into the animal issues uh, of this week, why is your favorite place in the whole world Death Valley, where the only thing I've ever seen there is sagebrush and scorpions? Well, actually, there's a lot, there's a lot more um, than that there. So, I mean, I, I wanted to see, I'd been to, like, hiking in California, so I was going to, like, the cool things that I thought, the the redwoods, things like that. So when I took a trip to the desert, I, I really thought it was going to be boring and nothing there. I couldn't believe how much... Uh, life there was there. I mean, there's surprisingly a lot of vegetation that grows there. It's extremely wonderfully colorful. Like it's amazing how how bright there is. And then you see all the the things that can live in the desert. Um, and then also at nighttime when the the moon's out, the desert just lights up. So that's pretty cool. And it's cold at night. It is cold at night and hot as heck during the day. <laughs> the hottest place in the world. Yeah, I mean during the day you actually have to um, stay within the tent just to avoid being in the direct sun. But you love those scorpions, so. I, no, no, I close up that tent real tight. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's get right down to it because there are so many animal welfare issues. And it starts, and this is going to break the, the heart of uh, a lot of folks who have dogs, who consider them members of their family, friends, in their home or their place of business. But apparently 11 dog breeds have been banned by home insurance companies Hartford, Connecticut, Warsaw, Wisconsin. These are epicenters of major insurance companies across America that provide, in many instances, home insurance. What are those 11 dog breeds as some of our listeners are holding their breath? Well, I mean, you know, so the obvious, right, Pitbull, um, you know, that's sadly con consistently targeted. Pit well, bulls. let me ask you a question because so many people do have Pitbulls. Yeah, mm-hmm. So if they have a pit bull in their residence or their place of business, that means their home insurance may be canceled? Well, what it would mean, number one, is that it's not going to be covered uh, in your home insurance. And, they, I mean, there are provisions made for, uh, you know, for things like that, uh, whether they specifically state animals or not. But this would specifically exclude them and say, we're not going to cover anything, even though it's within the confines of your home. All right, so pit bull number one. What are some of the other breeds? There's 11 uh, with specificity. Yeah, well, uh, Doberman Pinscher, um, you know, Rottweilers. Now, they have, like, a lot of wolf-type uh, dogs, wolf hybrids, believe oh, it or not. this is going to upset you because your nickname <laughs> is Lone Wolf One. Oftentimes, you're in Central Park and the Rambles baying to the moon like a wolf. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure why someone would want to own a wolf uh, dog per se. I mean, they seem a little bit wild, but chow chows, chow chows. Oh yeah, they they they'll bite you. A yeah. chow chow. Uh, our guardian angel leader in Chicago, uh, Thomas Tut Hunt, had a chow chow, a yeah. black chow chow. I thought the chow chow, nice looking dog, yeah. you know, small dog. Yeah. That dog took a chunk out of my arm. <laughs> that chow chow was hanging. I was lifting my arm. The chow chow. At his jaws, just like locked into my arm. And I say, Tut, you want to get your dog, your chow chow <laughs> off my arm? Yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. God, if I'd have found a lawyer then. Man, Tut had no money. Go, go ahead, what's next? <laughs> well, a, a breed I've never heard of before, a canary dog. 
Canary dog, okay. Okay. Um, Akita. Akita. Whoa, they can be nasty. Okay, German Shepherd. Now, I'm surprised with a German Shepherd. I mean, I've always, I mean, again, I think they have a very calm temperament, So, but maybe it's just the size of the dog. I think it's based on the fact that, remember, Joe Biden was always complaining that uh, German Shepherds uh, were biting people, biting Secret Service. Remember the baby shepherd that he brought in supposedly bit him in the in the leg that caused him to fall. I yeah, think it's it was, because it was of the dog's fault. Joe Biden could not handle German shepherds, did not have them trained properly. That they've been put on that at that list. Yeah, and also I mean, think about it. they they use them as uh, like police canine dogs. So you know maybe there's that um, perception added in you know the public that oh Bob somehow they're sniffing dangerous. dogs, and probably people who put them on the list got busted for having illicit drugs because <laughs> the shepherds smelled them, and then five <laughs> O came and they got cold busted. Okay, huskies. They're on the list. Okay. Well, Mastiff, right? That's just a Bull big Mastiff. Dog. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can see why that dog's on the list. Wow. So 11 dogs. And Ma- Malamute. Malamute. All right. Malamute. The German Shepherd. Come on. Yeah, I'm surprised by German Shepherd. They're very sweet temperament. The Chow Chow, yeah, I would agree, having had a chunk of my <laughs> a arm. Personal and experience. By the way, you know that according to the law, I don't know if that's changed, you would know you're the lawyer in the family. You graduated Brooklyn Law, criminal defense attorney, and now e-attorney. Is it true that you can't sue unless the dog gets a second bite? No, wait, no, that's not true. That means I I always thought that the dog has to bite you twice before you can sue. (laughs) They get a freebie? First bite is a freebie, (laughs) second bite is a lawsuit. No, no, I think I think what probably you're referring to is uh, like more of the, the liabilities in terms of the owner. So, for instance, if, uh, you know, a dog bites someone, you know, you're put on notice that the dog could potentially be dangerous. So, therefore, you know, if they were to bite again, you know, the dog can be taken away from you or. You okay, know. that's clarification. Yeah. Now, you mentioned Huskies, right? Yeah, Huskies. Mm-hmm. Now, you remember in the middle of the mayoral campaign, you and I, we traveled all the way to Albany to rescue a dog that had been abandoned. Uh, it was El Capitan. It was the Husky dog of uh, Andrew Evilize Cuomo, who had left the governor's mansion. Remember, he resigned. He went out uh, and hit the... Uh, Hit the mattresses, was stirring the marinara sauce with his uh, brother, Chris Cuomo, a.k.a. Fredo. That was his new residence. And remember, he left the husky behind. You and I, we went up there. We were going to rescue the husky. And when we went to the front gate on Eagle Street of the governor's mansion, there was an African-American state trooper there who was saying, thank God you're here to get El Capitan. He's biting all the state troopers. And he would hump their legs because... Andrew Evilized Cuomo didn't get El Capitan fixed. Bad idea. So he's talking to us, and the dog is humping him on the leg. Lovely. And just as Nancy is ready to retrieve the dog, because the dog really, I mean, it's like you with animals. It's it's sort of like the female version of St. Francis of Assisi. This guy calls up the guard shack. Joe Araposo, who was the spokesperson for Cuomo at that time, and says, do not give Husky, El Capitan, to Curtis and Nancy. The governor is leaving Southampton right now. He's coming back up in his SUV. He's picking up El Capitan. So based on this fact that you won't get insurance for having a Husky, they may cancel uh, Fredo's insurance at his mansion in Southampton because El Capitan is there with Andrew Evilized Cuomo, a.k.a. Michael Corleone. You know, and that was funny because he all of a sudden, af- after you tried to, to rescue <laughs> El Capitan, th- then he appeared in all of his uh, social medias, like family portraits and pictures. Like, he, all of a sudden, he just loved this dog. Oh, yeah. He was, <laughs> meantime, the dog was humping all the state troopers because no he never got him fixed. Yeah, no one wanted to deal with him. And nipping them, you know, just like, notice, Cuomo is just like Biden. His dog was nipping all the state troopers, biting them. They didn't want anything to do with El Capitan. I thought at some point they were going to pull their revolvers out and shoot El Capitan. He was such a nuisance. Well, I mean, and and it's to the point of like, you know, they are members of your family. So when you consistently leave them behind, yes, that's the behavior they're going to exhibit. But a lot of it's learned behavior. I mean, there's El Capitan. (laughs) He He was in a governor's mansion with the perv governor. 
and who is trying to hump on all of his female uh, uh, employees, including a female state trooper who is suing him for that. So I guess here's El Capitan, a little puppy dog, a little husky, saying, I guess I'm a male. This is what males do. They hump things. Like the governor, who is a real hump. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I think you just gave a lot of agita to folks who have dogs <laughs> in those 11 dog breed categories. So let's flip this script mm-hmm. and go in a different direction because we have a very dear friend, Robert Holden, that we've had a sit down with. He and his staff, we discuss a lot of animal rights issues because on the city council, as feckless, as weak as they are on most issues, out of the 51 members, he is truly an animal lover and is always there for the animals. He took it upon himself to go into these wet shops. These are uh, meat markets that slaughter on the premises. So whether they're halal or they're kosher or whatever, they're small marketplaces throughout the five boroughs. They transport the animals there live, and then it becomes a small slaughter shop. I've seen them in the South Bronx. They are disgusting. Uh, actually, we chased the guy in there one time. Uh, it was near Brook and 138th. The guy ran into this place, and, you know, we didn't have a chance to spend much time, but there was blood all over the place, entrails, nasty. I don't know how they passed a... Uh, health inspection, Department of Health. But uh, tell us what the reason was for Councilman Robert Holden going into these locations and hoping to, uh, if not shut them down, to uh, make them make them more habitable for the animals. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, you know, if he said it was because like multiple complaints from constituents, so he he made personal visits to uh, different markets in the Queens and the Brooklyn area. So these are like the like you said these these public slaughterhouses where people come in uh, and you know they have twelve specific types of species that they sell uh, chickens ducks you know turkeys rabbits then they also have goats sheep and cows believe it or not um, there's r- roughly seven seventy of these markets throughout the boroughs and you know and the pe- uh, customers come in they uh, pick what type of animal that they want and then they're slaughtered on site and that's uh the i mean these places are completely ridiculous why they exist in new york city i have no idea it's disgusting and the condition of the animals that are kept there is completely inhumane i mean they're they're sickly they first of all if if you if you were coming in from a public health perspective department of health should be shutting these places down this is clearly going to be getting people sick because these animals are sick so you're talking about contaminated food if that's how you're looking at it now, for the purposes of their welfare, which is obviously what I'm concerned about, this is a ridiculous way to be keeping these animals. They're standing on top of each other. There are dead animals in cages. They're in horrible condition. Obviously, they're not getting any assistance because they're going to be, you know, they're supposed to be food. So the horrific way that they're keeping these animals, this is disturbing. These needs to be shut down. You know who just appeared on the Hill and gave testimony to the United States Senate about uh, Silicon Valley with Zuckerberg of Meta. Oh. Zuckerberg is proud of the fact that he raises animals on his uh, mansion there in Palo Alto. And then he personally butchers them, prepares them, and eats them. He thinks that this is the manly thing to do. Here's a guy who's got billions and billions of dollars, right? And when you come over to his mansion, because obviously he's dealing with other people in in, uh, social networking, you know, the guy who owned YouTube, I forget, it was a um, uh, East Indian guy. And he goes over and he goes, hey, I'll be right back. What do you want? You want a goat? You want sheep? What do you want? Venison? He goes, where are you going to get it? He goes, I'm going to go in the backyard. I'm going to butcher them. Nasty. He goes, you're going to butcher them and then what? I'm going to have the cook cook them to order. What, What do you want? The guy was so, just so uh, repulsed that he took uh, he took a ticket on the dinner. He said, "I tell you what, what do you, what do you say we we meet over in the luncheon uh, luncheonette and discuss our business?" I I can't do this. This guy is proud of this. That he goes out into his backyard, he grabs the animals, he butchers them, 
And then he has his cook cooking because he believes that this will make him more virile, strong. He drinks the blood. This guy's psycho. That's pretty sick. And he's running Meta and Instagram. Yeah. I was proud of it. That's, yeah, that's sick. But uh, kudos to uh, Robert Holden because he just goes in, you know, as a councilman. He was telling me he's a right to go into any facility. He wants to go into the Floyd Banner Field, he told me, and check it out for himself. I said, they're not going to let you in. They don't let anyone in. He goes, no, no, by law, they have to let us in. So stay tuned for that. Anyway, let's hit some of these phone calls right now. Uh, let's go if we can to Larry in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Larry. Yeah, on point, Curtis. Uh, the other day I was walking down 39th Street in Brooklyn, and it's like right up from uh, from Borough Park, uh, you know, from Sunset Park to Borough Park. And like around 10th Avenue and 39th Street, I look to the right, I see a slaughterhouse with two, I see two large ducks sitting in a cage with like huge bills. And I'm saying, what the hell? I imagine these, they were, flo- I imagine them floating on a lake. I said, what are they doing in a cage over there? I mean, huge, like they look like swans, you know? And so you, maybe you could send that guy over to uh, 39th and uh, like 9th, 10th Avenue around well, there. Well, well, we we can do one better, Larry. Nancy, you used to live in that area before before I met you. You were living in Sunset Park. Yeah, that was, area is filled with these small slaughterhouses. Yeah, I was actually there um, this past week. And, yeah, uh, to the point, it's like um, right on uh, 3rd Avenue. So this is right onto the BQE. There's a series of them. Um, and I don't even know if they're they're listed as the actual slaughterhouse. This might be like these illegal slaughterhouses. But unfortunately, what you have is a very big um, immigrant pop- population. There. The Asians, the Asians. Yeah, and I mean, again, yeah, when I used to live there too, when you're walking up and down Eighth Avenue there, they have the most unusual live animals right on the streets in buckets. In ca- I mean, it's it's absurd. It's absurd the amount of. Uh, like hanging bodies you you see walking down 8th Avenue of recently slaughtered and yet to be slaughtered animals but they have a lot of those um you know live animals spots there when you're walking past them again I mean I don't I have no desire to go into these things it's disgusting but it, the level of blood you see coming out of it well, I mean you I'll can tell, tell what, what's going on this is disgusting I tell you what I'm going to go to those those are Chinese and remember I won the Chinese vote in the mayoral election so I'm going to walk in there and I'm going to give a report to all of our uh, listeners because you're right. Remember, this goes back to Wuhan. This goes back to the origin of coronavirus, COVID. The Chinese said, oh, it happened. They call them wet shops where they keep the live animals in there. You come into the restaurant, you say, yeah, I want that duck or I want this. And then they kill it right there. They butcher it. Zuckerberg would be real happy to be in a place like that. And then they prepare it for you. And they, some feel that the coronavirus came from that. Obviously, others say it was the laboratory that Dr. Fauci was funding, you know, for biochemical research and weaponry. But they have those wet shops all over Asia. Yeah, and, and I think what happened was, I mean, I think in terms of the legalities of it, there was these small carve-outs that were made like a while back having to do with religion. Oh, some religions utilize animals, and, you know, we don't want to step in religious freedoms. Okay. Oh, Santa Maria. And that was a very, very tiny, tiny little carve-out. It had no—there there was no idea that these things are supposed to pop up. No, this you're is, right. Yeah. I've passed those, uh, those uh, small uh, slaughterhouses that the Asians have, the Chinese especially— and there were animals there that I never even saw in the zoo. I never even saw in National <laughs> Geographic magazine. Where the hell did they get those? Oh, yeah. And, and I had, thought they had a platypus one time. It, it is incredible. And, I mean, they're they're just like, you, all you do is you look down and you see, like, these tanks with things swimming in them. Like, you, to your point, I've never even seen half these things before. And it, it, the animals are s- stuck all together. They can barely move in a cage. It's, yeah. It is absolutely inhumane. And they don't give a damn. Mm-mm. You know, it's like, bring the next one in. You know, slaughter, slaughter, slaughter. <sighs> Let's go to uh, John, who's calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC. Johnny. Good evening. A quick thing I want to run by you guys, which is sometimes we overlook, but I noticed in years to come, years, these past few years, people cutting down trees. 
I mean, trees are healthy because you just don't like them because they ship too much leaves. And meanwhile, so many animals are dependent on trees. And I think this is something to be really done statewide, some kind of ordinance that you just can't take a tree down because you don't like it. I can see if a tree is sickly or it's, it's tipping over or something, but a lot of people remove trees they don't like them. And it's a fact for the environment. Trees are irreplaceable. A lot of animals are relying on trees. So I think it's something to really move focus, is, is, especially the whole talk about, uh, you know, with the environment, trees are offset uh, carbon monoxide and so forth. But this has to be really considered um, for the sake of animals, but a future of our environment. So what do you guys think of that? John, they produce our oxygen, without which we're dead. The tree, yeah. I remember as a kid at PS 114, one of the first books they, they told us we had to read, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. And from yeah. that, an explanation of we had to go out and collect the leaves, you know, all the different kind of leaves, maple leaves, yeah. oak leaves. And part yeah. of that was uh, Mr. Alan Topol was my best teacher ever. Talk to us about photosynthesis and how they absorb all the toxins in at night while we're sleeping. And then they're producing oxygen so we can breathe. Uh, I don't know if they teach that any longer in school. They should because without trees, we're dead. We're dead, John. Not just the animals who need them for a variety of reasons. But we as human beings are dead. Because there's nothing else to yeah. produce oxygen. No, and, and you're right. To yeah. your point, it's like the, the level of uh, deforestation is so immense that we actually, it's almost like we really do have um, like a, so few left that we need to preserve them. So when people are buying property and just cutting down healthy living trees, I think there should start to be some protections for these because I, I don't think you should be able to control that because it really does go beyond your personal property because it does affect so much, and there are animals, I mean, you see it all the time. It's like the animals are living in the trees. They're, they're, they cut open the bark sometimes, even dead trees. I mean, but, they, but again, for someone to buy a property, I don't think that should be your ability to cut down something that benefits society at large. I love trees because uh, I always climb trees wherever possible. <laughs> when I was in India going from Bombay to Madras, Madras to Pancheri, there are all these smaller trees all along the way, and the bus stopped. We were on this bus, and the bus stopped, and I started climbing the trees. And the driver, because a lot of the people in India speak English, said, don't climb the trees. I said, but they're so small. They're easy to climb. He goes, the red ants are going to oh, bite no. you. <laughs> and the red ants had bit me. Yeah. And I mean, these were bad. These little ants, they're red, fiery red ants. And they had bit me up. I mean, I was in worse shape than I am now with all the scratching that I do, you know, from the, the scabies. And no doubt I got from a migrant in one of these migrant shelters where I'm scratching like morning, noon, and night. I'm telling you, it almost made me never want to climb a tree again. But every time I see a tree, I always look at it and say, I wonder if I can climb that tree if I still got it in me. We need trees. Because then you climb the trees and you can look out and you can see everything that's dependent on the trees. All the animals that are in the trees, the squirrels in the trees, the birds in the trees. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, right, even with uh, something as simple as like, the, the oh, cats are, are killing the birds. Well, the birds are supposed to live in the trees. You're cutting down the trees. Like exactly. so many things nest in the trees that they're losing their ability to keep themselves and their eggs safe. Very good point. Our number is one 800 with crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. I see. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. And the other big animal story, Nancy, is one that you followed uh, meticulously and religiously, like a lot of folks did. Whether it was the escape of Flacco, the Eurasian owl, or he was set loose when somebody cut the um, uh, the uh, uh, cover to his cage that permitted him to extricate himself. Flacco flew all over Central Park. He flew on the Upper East Side. 
All the bird watchers congregated, hundreds of them with telescopes, binoculars, wearing their safari hats and their shorty shorts, going whoop-a-woo, 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 fearing that this creature of God would somehow perish because it had been fed as a little chick, uh, hand-fed by those that uh, were attending to his uh, maintenance in the zoo He'll never be able to survive. He'll never be able to uh, respond to the call of the wild and explain on this, the first anniversary of his escape. And this escape might even have a movie at the end of it that will explain it. Better than the escape of Devil's Island with Steve McQueen and Dustin Hoffman. What was that? Papillon. Oh, my God. That was a great film. Uh, Devil's Island is off of Panama where the French would put their most notorious criminals for life. It was their Alcatraz. They escaped and Flacco escaped. Can you give us the update on his odyssey over the past year? Well, Flacco spent his initial days in Central Park, not too far from his previous enclosure. Then he started flying around on the east side. He uh, He wound up in the East Village for a while. Uh, supposedly, you know, they, they were sort of surmising maybe he was looking for a mate. Uh, clearly not lucky. Came no, no, no. He, he understood looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> the Lower East Side. No way. They got Santa Ria priests down there that would have had him, uh, you know, plucked and sacrificed uh, over in Tompkins Square Park. Yeah, a lot of freaks who live down there. Yeah, I don't really think there was enough high places for him to perch. So he winds up coming back to the Upper West Side. Oh, our neighborhood. He's just a few blocks away from where we live. I've actually walked his strip on 86th Street looking for Flacco, acting like a bird watcher. How crazy. Whoop-a-woo. Whoop-a-woo. Because my favorite animal of all time is the owl. I'll never forget the PSA. Give a hoot. Don't pollute with the owl. I mean, it's always been my favorite animal. So I was actually out there looking. And our neighbors, those out the coppers. They accused Flacco of being a peeping Tom and a pervert. Yeah, he was he was hanging out some outside someone's window on their uh, fire escape area, supposedly looking in at them. You know, when they woke up in the morning. So, oh God, they they wanted the ASPCA to come and snatch him, animal care and control. You know what would have happened then? Flacco knew to uh, fly the coop at that point, and he's flying around. And people say, "Well, how is he surviving?" Well, they're nocturnal owls, and he's flying through Central Park at night, and he's feasting on mice and rats. The natural way, Mayor Eric Adams, of eliminating rats that you're afraid of, that you're trying to control, that's one of the ways. Owls. And thankfully, he hasn't eaten any of those rats that have the poison in him. So, I mean, maybe his instincts are just that in tune that he knows, you know, what to, to keep away from. And he's such a beautiful bird. Oh, gorgeous. Mm-hmm. There are people out in our neighborhood that have these massive telescopes. I thought at first they were waiting for the sun to go down and then they were trying to look at some uh, planet. You know, you can't with all the pollution and, and, and fog that we have here. You'd have to really go out to the country to do that, to look at the Milky Way, the little Milky Way, all the stars. So I thought maybe they were stargazing. I said, no, wait for Flacco. They're in an alleyway. <laughs> Flacco has not appeared there. They're camping out for Flacco. They're groupies of Flacco. Down the block, we have Frank Morano, who's a groupie of Selena Gomez with all of her fans. You know that apartment building that's between yeah. oh, 86, yeah. mm-hmm. Amsterdam, and uh, Broadway. Broadway. Mm-hmm. They're there, like dozens of them. What are they filming there again? What's oh, the um, only murders in the building. And, and Frank is there trying to get an interview with you, uh, her. Yeah, knock yourself out. Yeah, so he has his press pass. There are more groupies for Flacco than for Selena Gomez. Yeah, like, I'm not sure how I feel about the, the Flacco groupies exactly because, like, in, in one sense, I think it's good because there's no chance of anything bad happening to Flacco because, you know, they would, like, jump all over if someone tried to take him. But at the same time, he doesn't really get to live a normal life because every time he does anything, it's like there's cameras on him. That's right. He, the paparazzi are there. Hey, J-Lo, you, you loved your, yourself after the after party for Saturday Night Live. They were all there. Guess what, J-Lo? Baby got back from Castle Hill. 
Flacco's got more groupies than you do and more paparazzi. Anyway, let's go to the phones. It's Andrew and Stanhope. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC, Andrew. What kind of bird is Flacco? A hawk? A Eurasian owl. Oh, wow. That's all. Oh, that's why you're talking about owls. That's awesome. Yeah, the uh, Stanhope, I saw uh, bald eagles on Lake Musconexcon, also Lake Apacon. I saw one swoop down, boom, Nellis, uh fish, and all on River, like near Blairstown, I a bald eagle, also, boom, like dive bomb and grab a fish out of the river. It's awesome. And, um, yeah, I wanted to say, too, uh, with the uh, desert, it's beautiful, and it's fun, too, seeing the vegetation where it grows, like in the pocket, you know, near the near the stream where there's a little water, and the mist kind of, um, I think, you know, waters the vegetation. And the colors of the canyon are stunning. And, of course, uh, the low humidity is awesome. It starts to cool off. And we were in Vegas out on the cafe, and it was 89 degrees. And I was like, no way, it can't be that hot. But it's so much more comfortable. So you're right, the desert's stunning with all the colors and, the, you know, the little pockets of vegetation and the clear skies. But um, the birds, you're right, that's a shame. But let me tell you a quick story with the uh, groupies. It was a bear that was in, I think, Glen Rock, which is near Montclair, which is not really near woods or forest, maybe the South Mountain Reservation or Eagle Rock Reservation. But it was more in suburbia, so they, they trapped it and brought it to wherever they relocate. But the way that they got it, it was actually in a cemetery, and it would run to the wooded area by the trains and then and they were afraid to tranquilize it because it was going too far up the tree but then they got the crowds of the onlookers away and i was with the press so i just stayed in my car with the camera and the way that they trapped it was they put dunkin donuts and soda <laughs> in the tubular thing trap and it got real excited like when it saw the donuts <laughs> but it was too smart to go in at first it would stick its long arm but then it went in, and that's how they finally trapped it. It was now. Let me ask you a question, Andrew. Uh, was that bear wanting to be a cop when he saw the donuts? Because you know, cops get all excited too when they see the fresh buttermilk twist come out of the oven first thing in the morning at Dunkin' Donuts. By the way, that bear, Glen Rock. Glen Rock is an upscale area in Essex County. Glen Rock. There was a bear loose in Irvington, New Jersey. Irvington. Uh, that bear needed a bulletproof vest <laughs> from all the drive-by shootings. It was rampaging its way through Irvington, and all the guys with guns, because there are a lot of gunslingers there, a lot of thugs were running, running. They were terrified of the bear. Now, they normally have, like, drive-by shootings, shootouts, drug dealers, thugs, thugettes. The only thing that, that scared them was that bear coming down the middle of the block in Irvington, New Jersey. Check it out, Wikipedia. I think it was the cops who eventually cornered that bear, and they brought it to a sanctuary. The only thing that those thugs feared in Irvington, which is next to Newark and Elizabeth, was that bear. Oh, let's go to Bobby calling from Jersey City. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bobby. Curtis and Nancy, I love your show. Uh, you know, I just get worried about Flacco snagging a, a poison rat, guys. I know they've talked about it on the show before. Uh, there's so much rat poison out there. I know the, with the war on rats and stuff, it would just be so unfortunate, man. But um, you know, the owls, Curtis, I'm I'm hip, man. Owls are the coolest. They're just they're hard to see. If you go out in the evening, dusk is probably the, the best time to, to to catch a glimpse of one, going from its night daytime roost to its night hunting perch. But at, you can usually hear them more than anything. You go to any local park. And particularly the great horned owls, you, you could reach out and you, you can emulate them pretty easily. And I've had them talk. To, I've had a whole bunch of them call back to me numerous times. The colder the night, the better. They they, they favor cold weather, but and, and crystal clear nights are the best. You can sometimes you can hear them for like a quarter mile away, man. But it's a it's a it's a cool nice hobby. Birding is a real nice hobby. And uh, in Jersey City, Liberty State Park, one time I had the fortune. I was fortunate enough to see a uh, um, Arctic owl. 
it was freezing out. It was on top of a light pole, and during, it was actually a snowstorm. But he, but you're right. There was tons of people searching for him. The, the word gets on the internet, man. People, two people flock. So were they? Again, uh, thank you, guys. Were they, Bobby, giving yeah. the universal international call? Whoop a woo, whoop a woo. Yep, that's it. That's Great it. Morning, See, you got it. You yep. got it much. Oh, nice. <laughs> you got it much better than me. This is what they do. They walk around with safari hats on oh, yeah, and binoculars. A, okay, now that sounds like an owl. Your sound, your sounds crazy. <laughs> now, but you know the other thing, and let this be advice, because we happen to live in Manhattan, uh, and they put the spikes up uh, in order to impale the street pigeons. Yeah, disgusting. Uh, that should be illegal. Right, on the windowsills. They put these spikes and we see the pigeons from time to time who have had their 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 uh, uh, what not hands or paws. Well, it's like their 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 claws, right? That, yeah. Impaled. Yeah, they're missing like half their toe, their foot. Other buildings are smarter because they don't put up those stupid spikes. They put up plastic owls, mm-hmm. and do you know the pigeons do not go anywhere near those buildings because it serves the same purpose that a scarecrow does in a cornfield where the crows stay away. They see the scarecrow, they stay away. That's the purpose of the scarecrow. I've seen that myself at my uh, grandfather's subdivision out in the farm area, Lockport, Illinois, between Joliet and Chicago years ago when it was mostly farms. I would always ask him, Anton was my grandfather on the Polish side, how come the crows don't eat the corn. Because, you know, I told you the story. My father, Chester, had uh, a crow as a pet when he was a kid named Jimmy. And Anton told me, my grandfather, he said, crows won't come when there's a scarecrow. Pigeons will not come on to your property, your building, whether it's your roof, whether it's the ledge, if they see plastic owls there because they fear the owl. The owl, they, they will, nocturnally, they will prey on the pigeons. So stop stop torturing street pigeons, even though some of you think of them as rats with wings. Just get some plastic owls, huh? Uh, the pigeon respects the plastic owl. Imagine being impaired. You know what? This is like that final scene in Mel Gibson, Braveheart, where they impale him, you know, on the rack. That's what you're doing to these pigeons. And they die a horrific death. A horrific death. Oh, well, they're just rats with wings. Really? Well, guess what? Nancy feeds them. I feed them. And John Katzmatidis feeds them. And the best story ever, he feeds them outside every day, outside of our building. The maintenance guy comes out and says, you can't feed the pigeons. John turns to him and said, I can't feed the pigeons? No, that's the rules here. How about if I buy the building? Can I buy? Can I feed the pigeons then? And somebody comes out, you know, that guy is, he's a billionaire. He can buy the whole block. I'm sorry, Mr. Katzmatidis, you can feed the pigeons. Yeah, I, f- I find it funny when you have the people walking the dogs who are yelling at you because the pigeons are dirty. Meanwhile, their their dog is urinating on the sidewalk. Oh, and defecating too. And yeah. half the people don't even pick up after the dog any longer. Yeah, but that's that's very neat. Anyway, let's go if we can to Nancy in Queens. Your turn to be heard here. Your namesake, Nancy, at WABC. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I'm in Ridgewood, Queens, New York, and I've been feeding cats in my yard because I felt sorry for them. And now, like, there's a lot of them eating here. And I just want to know, is there any organization? Because I called so many places. Some get back to me and say they're full. Some don't call me back. And I wanted to know, is there any place, like, that would help me? to get these cats, you know, maybe like, you know, like a no-kill shelter or something, because some of them are friendly. They're nice cats. About how many of them are there, Nancy? They're, of what I'm counting, about nine right now. All right, so they're feral cats. They're outdoor cats. Uh, are you the only one feeding them? Yeah, because in my neighborhood, they throw them out, half of them. Oh. Half of them are thrown out cats. So. Which, which part of Ridgewood are you in? And uh, it's between Cypress and Wyckoff Avenue, Ridgewood, Queens. Oh, I know that. Well, I tell you what, Nancy, uh, you stay on the line, stay on Mm -hmm. the line, and hey, Matt Blaze, stop uh, scratching your belly and uh, get Nancy's contact information. We're going to have to handle this every time we outsource Mm -hmm. this to somebody. Yeah, right. And, And this is tough, too, right? Because if you have them living outdoors, if you're willing to 
you know, continue taking care of the ones that are feral, that's always a good spot because then at least you can have them fixed and they're not going to continue having, you know, kittens and then obviously attracting the, the males and, you know, the spraying, the fighting, things like that. If there's any friendly ones, obviously there's a potential for adoption, but a lot of times when you have them outside and they are feral, I mean, as long as you're willing to, you know, have like that sort of uh, continued commitment to whatever extent you can to care for the ones outside, the fixing goes a long way. And then also maybe like providing the housing, things like that, just to make it easier to care for them. You know, sometimes Frank Morano, the Mama Luke, he he's on the other side of midnight, one to five. Uh, it's across the nation. It's nationally syndicated from coast to coast. Sometimes he bogarts you, Nancy, and he tries to answer cat questions. You know, people have cat questions. Instead of saying, you know, I really should refer this to Nancy, Curtis's wife. They do the animal welfare show. Or even his wife, Rachel, was a cat lover. Do you know, ever since Frank Morano married Rachel, two of the three cats have died. What do you think about that, huh? Two of the three cats that they had died. Now... Frank is a dog guy. He's always been a dog guy ever since I knew him. In fact, he was walking the dog. I'm sure he'll tell this story at some point. You know this story, Matt Blaze, that he was smoking a Cohiba cigar after walking the dog. His mom was away. He was watching her house. He fell asleep smoking a cigar, and he burnt the house down, and his mother never complained. That's that's a real Mama Luke. They can't do anything wrong in the eyes of their mother. All the mother really cared was, how's the dog? Did the dog survive? She didn't even care about her son. <laughs> He's like smoking in the, the mama Smoking <laughs> a Cohiba cigar, illegal cigars, oh boy. in the house after walking the dog. And what does his mother ask? How's the dog doing? Not even how's Frank doing, although she didn't yell at him. I guess she's come to expect things like that of him. For falling asleep and burning her house down. Oh, he's a mama Luke. You know, the Italian the Italian son can do no wrong. An Italian son in an Italian household is the prince. Can do no wrong. And so many of them are mama Lukes. They're like 40, 50. They're still living at home. Oh, mommy, yes. mommy actually, she, she irons my BVDs in Fruit of the Loom. Yeah. She makes my bed. Like, who is that? The giant quarterback, briefly, DeVito. She makes my bed. She makes me chicken parmesan, chicken cutlet. What a bunch of mama lukes. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. As we continue on, our hands across America to Vancouver, British Columbia, and James, your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour, James. Gee, I thought Frank Morano was an endangered species there for a minute, but I was going to say the owl can smell the serum albumin from other animals. That's the blood of the other animals. And so if that blood is infected, the owl will probably be okay. So... Now, do you uh, you must have owls out there in British Columbia, Vancouver? Absolutely, and we got signs saying "danger, owls nesting." Because if you go through there at night, you might get whacked on the head by one. You mean the owl? No, yeah, the owls will attack you because if they're nesting, right? Same with the crows; if they're nesting, they will attack. Yeah, you know, uh, when I was in Mexico starting the Guardian Angels, they had birds in the trees. They call them Santana birds. It's like, uh, you know, Carlos Santana, the Santana birds. They would only attack people with light hair. So if you had dark hair, they'd leave you alone for some reason. If you had blonde hair, James, they would swoop out of the tree and basically attack your head. Santana birds. Exactly. Yes. When I was in Taiwan, I got attacked by a bird. I got hit from behind. I thought somebody clubbed me. It turned out it was a bird guarding its nest. So. Wow. <laughs> anyway, yeah, thanks it's, for taking my call. Oh, anytime, James. All the way from Vancouver, British Columbia, our hands across America, right into Trudeau land, Canada. When I saw that Santana birds, they swoop out of the trees. And I thought for sure, oh, that's where Carlos Santana got his name from, right? They're all throughout Mexico. Knowing Lindsey Graham, he'd probably want to bomb them wherever there are uh, Santana birds. Oh, that guy. 
wants to bomb everything. Anyway, let's go if we can. And Mario's calling. Uh, where are you calling from, Mario? Sir, from Midland Beach. Bottom line, Curtis, is six positive things to save the dogs and cats and other animals. Numero uno, we train these dogs and cats and get them to the medical centers to sniff out diabetes, high blood pressure, and cancer. Numero due, we train them to be with the New York City Police Department. If they were in the Times Square with those two cops, those animals wouldn't have been able to beat the cops. Numero tre, we also train them and send them to Israel, the dogs to protect the people from al-Qaeda scum, and the cats to protect them from the rats. Numero cuatro, uh, Joe Piscopo's dog, um, Otis died was a year ago, and tell them to adopt the dog and the cat from ACAC on Korean War Veterans Highway by Outer Bridge in Staten Island, uh, Richmond Valley. And Dr. Esposito and Dr. Powell at Richmond Valley Animal Practice, uh, 51 years, that facility's there, the best care anywhere on Staten Island. And info at pawsofwar.org and out in Long Island, they saved the dog of G.I. Joe and J.I. Jack and Hackensack. They help American veterans and their service animals who are their families, and they need funds. Info at pawsofwar.org, and the and manager is Faisano Roberto Masseri. Excellent, excellent, Mario. Wow, he gave us a whole uh, panoply, a laundry list of great ideas, great concepts. And to our very dear friends in Midland Beach, Mario is one, they continue to hold out against that migrant center. Remember, there was a senior citizen center that Mayor Eric Adams kicked out to senior citizens, and some of them Korean War veterans, uh, World War II veterans, gave them two months to clear out. And they put the migrants in there, and the residents there have been vigilant ever since. Vigilant, saying no more, no more, no more. They love their animals out of Midland Beach. They love them. Yeah, I mean, and certainly the idea of having more of these programs that really incorporate animals into daily life and recognize that because we think about how much money, uh, like, the city would spend on different types of services that animals can provide. And, you know, a lot of these have to do with, you know, people who are— you know, they're, they're homebound, they're nursing, they're nursing homes. You have kids who are in schools who could be doing after-school programs. I mean, there's so many things you can match up together. You don't have a lot of funding, but what we have is people who need something to do. This is an important thing to do, and there's a lot of animals who are just sitting there. Well, you, there are certain families, they, they don't believe in having animals, or they don't like having animals yeah, in the house. I don't understand that. Or outdoors. Well, we know that the mayor is one. He's never had an animal. Donald Trump is one. He's never had an animal. There are certain, it's just certain uh, people, they just, I don't know, they may be frightened by animals. My mother, as you know, is frightened by animals. Uh, so when you told her you had all these cats that you were caring for, she came from uh, the old school Italians where she was made to be afraid of cats because cats would carry disease. This is transported from Europe when they had the Black Plague. And Pope uh, Gregory, the oldest pope who ever was installed into the Vatican, and his first uh, Vatican uh, edict was to kill all the cats. Catholics in Europe, you go out and you kill the cats. So observing Catholics did exactly that. And what do you think they got as a result of listening to somebody who is not infallible, who is not talking to God like half these people claim they are? Is they ended up with all the rats that carried the fleas that then caused the Black Plague. They killed millions of people in Europe. Millions of people. That's what you get when you hurt the cats, I guess. And look at Australia. They did exactly the same thing, right? That was then. That was hundreds of years ago. Australia, that really hates cats for some reason, the land down under, decided that they were going to go in the outback and destroy all the cats. So all that land between the East Coast and West Coast, it's the size of the United States. People don't realize that. Australia, although it's a continent, is the size of the United States. So you have Sydney and Melbourne on one coast. That would be like having New York and Washington, D.C. Then on its West Coast is Perth. It's very much like California if you've been. In between is the outback. They killed all the cats, all the feral cats. What did they end up with, uh, Nancy? Well, now they have a scourge of rats. How stupid, right? Yeah, and and that's uh, putting it really mildly to say that they killed them. I mean, the way in which they did this, I mean, you're dropping poison food. 
which is slowly getting into the system of these animals, so they're dying slow, horrific deaths. Now you're you're putting them in in a land where now obviously other creatures are going to eat them. So those poisons, they're not going to stay contained. So it, it was a cruel idea, number one, but clearly bound to have the poisons erupt elsewhere throughout the country. You think they would have learned from how the Black Plague came about in Europe, killing millions, and then to add insult to injury, is they like to blame cats for everything in Australia. They issued a report that said. Feeding cats when they're young might actually cause you to get Alzheimer's when you're older. Yeah, this is why I have to be very concerned about funding these these ridiculous medical studies. I mean, you, you can prove any hypothesis you want to. And clearly that was their whole goal, to show how, how do cats disrupt your, your mental system. So they, they made this extremely vague tie where more or less... If you've ever encountered a cat in your life, they're blaming it. So, in Dementia other words, <laughs> and Alzheimer's on you feeding cats. Yeah, like if you pet a cat once in your life, that's it's the cat's fault. Yeah, and look at them, and they're overrun with rats now. And guess what? The wombats can't take out the rats, nor the kangaroos, or those endangered species, the koala bears. They're too busy eating the eucalyptus uh, leaves and looking like they're stoned all the time and relieving themselves wherever they are. Yeah, it's 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 just funny how how humans consistently think that they can interject themselves into this realm where they have no business being involved in the first place. They have no idea what they're doing when they take out one species, when they cull at large the way they're trying to do. Now, another, we have to give an advisory to people. Animal Care and Control of New York City gets millions and millions of dollars. It's a quasi-public-private entity. They claim that they are overrun by people sacrificing their dogs and cats to the shelter because during the lockdown and pandemic, many people who were working out of their homes or staying at home decided that was the first time in their life they would adopt an animal, and that was good. And now some of them are showing up at animal care and control and sacrificing them, basically surrendering them. I'm warning all of you out there. These are kill shelters. These are not no-kill shelters, and they never tell you that. You go and you surrender your animal with the impression that they're going to find a adoptable home or a foster-care home, and sometimes they do, but a lot of times they don't. So even if you're in a dire circumstance uh, and maybe you have to go for medical procedures or you don't have the money any longer to take care of that family member of yours who happens to have four legs and not two. There are rescue organizations that will rescue that animal, that dog or that cat, and make sure, they will make sure that that dog, that cat is never euthanized, never destroyed. Do not, under any circumstance, surrender your dog or your cat to a shelter, a kill shelter. Yeah, and you know, one thing that's good to think about, too, just fostering animals. Because even if you're not sure if you want to make the full commitment, by fostering them, that can prevent them from being euthanized because of a space issue. So, you know, it gives you know, there, there's a lot of options out there. Now, if anyone needs to get in contact with you on animal-related uh, issues, how do they do that, Nancy? Uh, well, uh, guardianangels.org, and then you can also email me, uh, nancy at guardianangels.org. And next week, there will be a completely separate animal welfare website that you can go to that will meet all of your animal welfare needs. So when you listen next week, same time, same place, have a pad and pen ready. And also, if you missed any of the previous animal welfare shows here exclusive to WABC, you can get them on podcast. Share it with other people to be able to protect our very dear friends and family members' animals.